Thank you for tuning in to the Jacket Required Podcast. I'm your host, Kimari Majet, and today we talk with Dominique Harrison, also known as the Racial Equity Therapist on Instagram. She is an associate marriage and family therapist serving individual, couple, and family clients in private practice in Los Angeles. Dominique considers herself a compassionate collaborator and a direct truth teller. As a therapist who values empathy, justice, and racial equity, and believes in owning the impact of our words and actions rather than our intentions, much of her work challenges clients' traditional ways of existing and relating. With clients, she identifies values and communication styles, supports them to become more mindful and to listen to their bodies and their souls, explores ancestral wisdom, and builds clear boundaries. This is episode three, part two of our mental health awareness series. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get to it. Because we need to, we need to understand why they're getting so activated and allow them to, to identify in their body why they're getting activated. Yep. So for me, it's really important. And I always say this to my clients. I'm like, listen, there'll be times where we're wrestling. Um, but you know that I have said from the beginning that I am a direct therapist. <laughs> and when I believe the information is something that you can take. I'm going to say it in that moment and we'll just wrestle back and forth on what feels good, what feels right, what feels natural. Um, but yeah, and I also know that a lot of times we need moments to say, ooh, I'm finding myself doing word vomit because I'm anxious or mm. I'm finding myself um, like, cause I get to see it happening in real time. Like I get to see the shoulders going up to the ears. I get to see the the glazed overlook I get to see the you know how people grab at certain parts of their body and so that for me is an indication that hey let's sit with this <laughs> yeah for real like let's yeah let's unpack the fact that you you seem uncomfortable right now um why <laughs> why are you uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> which is good I don't you know I if you if you weren't family I'd be like yo you should be my therapist because I don't think that they're direct enough. And right, this is what I was talking to with Jason on the last podcast we were discussing like in that episode about for me, a coach versus a traditional therapist and a coach is a little bit, has been helping me better because I'm able to get from like, you know, one lily pad to the next. We're able to crush goals and then move on to the next. And I'm able to be accountable, be held accountable. Um, I think, you know, in the past, and this is not all therapists, obviously, um, but like, yeah, sometimes it's like, don't coddle me. I'm here to mm. get better, not just to feel like I'm better. Now, I don't yeah. want to just feel good because eventually Ooh. that goes down, that whatever feeling I'm feeling, that, that energy eventually goes away once I'm thrust back into my real life and I'm not sitting on the couch with you, but like me moving towards a coach is like you know like all right well sure you're doing all right but could you be doing better could you be doing more right could you be more accountable could you be more present I think for me in the beginning I thought that especially parenting and this is kind of my frame of reference for everything right now because it's the newest thing to me but I hear you like with parenting in the beginning I was like okay well I mean Kate she's breastfeeding and she's doing like all that really close important stuff I'm going to do all of the um all of the perimeter things so I'm going to run all the errands mm. I'm going to um you know cook when I can I'm going to clean I'm going to do it like but then we had a conversation she was like you know it doesn't feel like you're really present and mm. I had to be like I had to check myself because you know, at first I was at first I was defensive like what do you mean you're not seeing everything else I'm doing but presence to people seems different so acknowledge the fact that she's saying hey you're not really here mm -hmm. um and it, that could just be hey i want you to sit with me as i'm rocking the baby to sleep. yes like okay. just sit so next to is, me <laughs> yeah i actually this is something that i often think about um and a lot of this has to do with like are we asking the right questions of one another are we given space to tell one another our needs? 
sometimes we don't do that until a need hasn't been met. But the thought is to first get to know your needs, scale how you want to share that with someone that you trust, right? Because um, in our community, in our Black community, we have told ourselves to close everything down, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, I think that's a little bit of our mind, body, spirit, spirit protecting us. But um, yeah, closeness and presence can look like just what you said. Can you sit with me? And can you hold the baby? Honestly, um, when you think about supporting Nuri, mm-hmm. right? Can you have moments where you're just where she's just laying on your chest, right? Because that's something that emulates what Keiichi is doing but it's also creating space of closeness. And oh, I love it. I love it. I love it's it. necessary. Love, it's necessary. And I think I'm glad you and Keiichi are having those moments where you could be like, hey, um, I see what you're doing and I think I might want it a little different. I think I might want to do this differently kind of great (laughs) yeah no I think um I'm definitely blessed to be in a relationship where communication is key but I think part of that is because uh I've grown up knowing Mm -hmm. that communication is the only way I'm gonna get to whatever goal it is right like communication really is important in every relationship whether it be business a romantic relationship a friendship like we need to be more um, more aware of how we're communicating. And if we're communicating effectively, sometimes we think we're communicating and we're not like we're just uh, we're just talking at the person or talking to the person rather than like, are you listening and talking or are you listening to respond rather than listening to listen? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah um it's hard I think for sure and especially like when I just relationships in general are difficult um but I like the feeling of not not harboring any bad energy I like the feeling of I also like the feeling of us getting over something together in a in a positive way um it helps with whatever is going to come next because now you're not it's not piling on right it's not a bunch of um bad experiences weighing you down and then you don't know that one that next one that could happen could ultimately lead to separation yeah Um, i'm so so one of the biggest things and one of the most like things that i think are truly important for me as a therapist in therapist space is to help people identify their communication (laughs) styles right off the bat (laughs) and um i actually think i have a um I have a blessing of discernment. Like, I think that that's something that God has called me to do in a very distinct way. And it allows me to see how communication breakdowns happen for couples or for families, which by the way, is literally one of my favorite things to do is to be in relationship um, in therapy with families. Um, There's a certain directness that that's where I learned a lot more of my directness around the style that I want to have as a therapist. But man being able to say oh when things get tough you want to run away but your partner they want to stay (laughs) and being able to navigate and um like have compromise around okay so it's 9 p.m at night and we need to wind down and you're expecting us to continue this conversation that feels to me like it's going nowhere could we instead put a pause mm-hmm. and schedule this? That's something I think people forget that they can do <laughs> is schedule things. With their own family, uh, right? With, with their, their own people. family. Um, we can schedule things. We can write things out. We don't have to always do things without preparing. I think we forget that as people. Mm. That's something I always talk to my clients about. You know, if you have a challenge, you can write down what you want to say or you can you can set a reminder to 
because I'm big into mindfulness, I, I create and carve out space to, to put it into every session that I have with majority of my clients, but you can set intention that, okay, so I know I have this thing that I have to prepare for in order for me to feel less anxious or less confused, I'm going to write down or get myself oriented or get to a place of safety and security so that for this hard thing that I have to do, I feel less like I'm at the seat of my pants trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I forget we, it's almost like we forget we get to do that. We do that in every other aspect of our lives, right? Professionally, um, in interactions with our friends and family outside when we're making plans, right? We forget that we can plan our own individual lives within the home. <laughs> it's kind of funny so I'm definitely going to use that more you know I'm I'm naturally a planner I I used to say it's because I'm a Capricorn but I just I don't know if every Capricorn you, are, like you know I say that too That's, because we're so similar. <laughs> I know but it, I but I think it, it might just be like our personalities and yeah and I do like to plan things and so when like I love the, the idea of planning planning Argue, not arguments, but planning like, you know, discussion around, all right, this bothered me. At the moment, if we talk about it, I'm probably going to say something that I don't really mean, or I'm not going to be able to effectively get my point across because I'm still going through it. But if I took a couple days or let's say even a couple hours, I'm like, hey, tonight before we, or after dinner, before we put the baby down, let's, let's like, let's re, let's revisit this. And you've had more time to think about it. I've had more time to think about it. And now we're coming at it um with the same goal in mind which is to um come to a some sort of agreement right or conclusion mm. um about what happened so i'm definitely going to use that i i love that so much that's I, great yeah family should be you should be planning your what heck yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so here's here's one of the best tips that i give to couples and families as they navigate like diverse conversation styles right because that's you're not going to be in a family where everyone communicates the same way. We just know that hard stop. You have to start to, you need to get an understanding of how your family communicates. And what I do for people to be able to see that is I do this exercise. It's kind of funny and, and couples get so mad at me. But um, when I first meet them, I'm like, all right, so today we're just going to go back and forth. I'm going to time each of you. And one person is going to respond and say something like, give a topic. I'll say, pick a topic or something that's like top of mind for you that you haven't resolved. Let's bring it into the space. And so, so I'll say, I'll ask one partner to start. I'll give them 90 seconds to say what they need to say. The partner will have one minute to listen, right? And then to say exactly what they heard. Okay. They don't, they can't even respond. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and this is why I get so crazy, but, and, and they'll, and then they will confirm with their, their partner that what they said was correct. And I'll say, was that correct? And the partner will have an opportunity to respond and say yes or no, but this is what I meant. So we'll carve out space for that acknowledgement. And then the, the, the partner who was responding to what was said will have their 90 seconds and they'll say either something that's coming up for them or a response if they want to, because sometimes it, it just, kind of, the nature of the activity is that sometimes they'll say something completely different because their mind is prioritized. But um, I do it and people are like, oh yeah, we do this at home now, right? We schedule we schedule times to, to, to talk to one another. We actually put a timer on, on the clock. Let's do this for 30 minutes. Let's do this for 10 minutes. And um, it allows them kind of like a fresh and new perspective okay. because they actually have to physically pause to listen, to understand rather than like, yeah, I actually can't even respond right now because I have to tell them exactly what they, what I heard and they have to confirm with me. So it gives, and this is something I think you and I often talk about Kimari, but like my need for people to pause is, is really very much in that activity. <laughs> so it gives people the like legitimate opportunity to pause, pause yeah. themselves in the moment. I love it. I pause it, take a, take a moment for yourself, give that person a moment, then come back to it and 
I think we'll all find that we can be more effective, um, which is really important in our communities. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, what does like, uh, what does family therapy look like in our communities going forward uh, with so many young adults willing to tackle their past trauma? I think you and I talk about this often. I talk about this with my friends a lot too. You know, we're a lot more open than we mm-hmm. used to be as, as a, as a culture, um, as a community. And when we're trying to deal with our past issues, um, but also trying to mend our relationships with our elders, um, right? Like sometimes that can be difficult. So yeah, like, what do you think, what does that look like? I I see black families, families of color in general, um, thriving the more we like actually tackle this. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it looks like what I do with my, my families in session. It is, um, first, it's not just one family member acknowledging that there is a need. It's all of them um, coming to the realization that they need more than, you know, family and friends to support them and give them advice. It's It's like, okay, so we're in agreement that we need to change some things about how we communicate, how we interact, how we honor and love one another. So let's go to someone who could sit with us and in my case, give direct indication of when the flare ups happen. Like that's the beauty of, of family therapy for me and the way that I do it is that, especially when I was in person, I could sit with a family and say, okay, hard stop. We're not gonna do that anymore because as you can see, your words are impacting your daughter or your son. Um, and as you can see from her facial expression or his facial expression that um, this is where the hurt comes up or you, you probably just saw that your daughter or son shut down or you probably just saw that your husband or partner just physically left the room. So let's actually address that in real time. It has been very interesting in the transition of virtual though, which is something I actually value because it allows for um, for people who haven't had the opportunity to go physically in person for a long time, given like disability, given challenges, work time to actually be in community with therapists that they need, right? Um, it is actually being able to be even more direct, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I'm already, I already found myself being super direct. But I also laugh a lot with my families. And um, because at the end of the day, we already know you're coming in here and it's courageous, it's, it's, it's brave, right? but it doesn't have to be stuck up. (laughs) It doesn't have to be um, like always serious. In fact, I think in levity, in in lightness, in the laughs, you get to see the humanity of your child, the humanity of your partner, the humanity of anyone who's in your space with you and be like, oh shoot, I forgot that they were a person. That's why they're making these mistakes. So that's that's the other thing is um, family therapy is the opportunity for you to see that the roles that you sit in, right? Mother, father, daughter, sister, whatever, brother, um, is that your person too, <laughs> who might not get that presumed role right all the time. Um, another thing that I'm, I often do, with, so I have a top five as a therapist. <laughs> right? It's core values. It's the roles that serve us. It's communication style. It's racial identity development and it's boundaries. And I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm like, it's like hardcore, like assessment and consistent wrestling with my clients in that like first couple of months and stuff, but it leads to so much more like, oh shoot, this is me there is clarity and honoring in the truth that I've come to realize about how I dwell in the world. And man, I know that now I don't have to just sit here and bear and take it. I can actually overcome it. I can actually do things differently. I can actually, it can actually look good. There's a lot that comes with, with learning those five things about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Boundaries for sure. I think, you know, the point that you made about 
humanity, right? Like being able to see the humanity in someone and definitely in your family, that is so key. Like wife is not just wife. Wife is also a woman, a person, Mm -hmm. a professional, also somebody's daughter. I'm right. Like now somebody's mother, in my case, um, someone's granddaughter, like all there, this person has so many different um, aspects to them that you can't just expect them to be, to live in this, this box of whatever role they serve in your life. Same thing, you know, when you're dealing with, when we're dealing with our elders, right? Like I am someone's son, um, but I am at the same time, someone's father. Yeah. Um, which God, I, sometimes which I, like, I forget that saying that are. out loud is crazy. <laughs> saying that out loud to me has been like, it's, it's powerful, but at the same time, it's also pretty daunting to be like, I have to give direction, but at the same time, I also have to um, sort of gracefully receive uh, any any advice or 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 also direction, right? My mom is still my mm-hmm. mama, so if she wants to tell me what to do, she's gonna tell me what to do. <laughs> um, I may not agree with it all the time. I may shout not like to how Ramona and shout out to Ramona and Michelle for always, always speaking their moms. truth. <laughs> solid moms, people that people that I definitely think have instilled in us to uh, speak your truth because <laughs> they've for done it real. their whole lives, <laughs> whether we want them to or not. <laughs> um, but you know, in the same in the same breath, it's like, man, she's still she's still a, a person, right? She's my mom, and I want her to um deliver things to me a certain way as a mom mm-hmm. but how about the fact that you know she had her own life before me and yep. her own past traumas that you know I love where we are now with me being a dad and a husband is like you know we're we're even closer and that's always been my best friend but like we're even closer now because now we really start to get into man like you know growing up it was like this for me and she's like yeah well you know growing up it was like this for me and and that that bled into how I parented you and that bleeds into now how you parent. Um, and I, so I, I love that. Right. And same thing with my sister, um, mm. you know, growing up, she was, I love Christina so much. Shout mm-hmm. out to her. I shouted her out last podcast too. Um, but she's, she's an amazing person. Um, but I think growing up, I being the only man in the house, um, having a father, but who, who was not as, present as he should have been just say that but uh, he's doing a much better job now we're we're on a great we have a great rapport now we talk very often we hang out um so i'm i love i'm loving the this this season of my life of just growing and understanding that people are people and removing the past issues not forgetting them we're still tackling them but like that that doesn't need to affect how I deal with you today we can get to like you said no we can pause and then get back to that but let's let's just we have a good stride right now let's just keep that um so you know back to like my sister like growing up I sort of assumed this role of father um Mm. and also it I don't think it was purposely put on me but it was like hey yeah. You also got to, you got to be her big brother, but you got to be her, her dad too. Um, and mm. that, that caused like some tension between us, you know, that caused us to sort of butt heads. Cause she felt like I was always like talking at her rather than trying mm-hmm. to be the, oh, the big brother that she needed. That was like, Hey, yo, I understand. I went through that too. Right. It was more so like, I'm trying to coach you and I'm trying to get you out of this. And, um, you know, she, she tells me, uh, I would have <laughs> a, I would, I would be able to achieve, um, what I was trying to achieve with her faster had I added more honey and less spice. Um, so, you know, with her being a black woman, with you working with black women, uh, you know, me wanting to do my best to protect the black women I love, to uplift them. Uh, I want to know how people like myself, um, mm-hmm. we can be empathetic to their trauma, and their issues while dealing with our own. Yeah, this is something that I often work with, with black women. And it's, um, and, you know, shout out to Christina for her ability to tell you exactly what she needed, right? Um, And that happens with clarity for our own self. But um, one thing I often say is, 
ask the question, we forget that we can ask questions of what people need from us and allow that to dictate how you navigate your relationship. And also don't rely on that first answer, right? Um, we shift and change. As much as people say we don't change, we do shift and change. And so what someone might've told you they needed from you six months ago, revisit it, right? I think what it means to protect the black woman is not just standing in front of them, right? To, uh, to be the person that bears the brunt of aggression, but it can be standing alongside in the acknowledgement that the aggression is happening and looking to them and say, you got this? Or it could actually be standing in back of them and saying, okay, so it looks like you might be falling now. Do you need me to pick you up? No, I'm good, right? So at the end of the day, it's always asking a question, um, clarifying, listening to understand, and also noticing your body. Noticing your body. Um, we, we often find ourselves getting defensive with the people we care the most about um, more often <laughs> because sure. there is this inherent belief that they should know certain things about us or should know already what we need or should know already how we need to operate and how they need to operate with us. But we also forget that at the root of it all, we'll never know unless we ask. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so key. Ask the question, like, and I love that idea of um, we don't always have to, you know, be the the protector and, like you said, like bear the the brunt of whatever situation. Sometimes, especially black women or women of color, they most they times this. they got it. <laughs> most times they got it and they just want to know that you support them and they want to know that if they do need you that you're there right like you said like behind them hey you're falling but maybe you just stumbled and you don't need me to come in but you know just i just want you to know i'm here that that's amazing uh very very insightful i i appreciate that i'm sure others listening will too there's a there's a there's a there's a large group of men that want this information and they want to do better especially men that have daughters right like mm -hmm. i have a daughter um you know you're a black woman professional you're a therapist um so let's talk about systemic oppression and you <laughs> my know, favorite in the, topic <laughs> right, in this patriarchal society that we all have to realize that we live in um right so i understand it affects you way differently than it affects me mm -hmm. so now having a daughter i want to know like what am i what is the best way the most loving way for me to get her to see hey for lack of a better term shit ain't sweet out here mm -hmm. but you can you can overcome it you can do it right and you know just going back to my sister i do believe that that was what i was trying to get her to realize i was four years mm -hmm. before you um, you, we, you're in a creative space. I'm in a creative space. I'm telling you what it's like out here, but it's, but I, I could have done it, you know, in a softer way. So I don't want to make that same mistake, um, with Nori, right? Like, yeah. what is, what is the, what is, how, how do we navigate? Like, you know, Hey, letting them know, like, it's not easy, but, but you can get through it. So for me in that looks like stepping into the role of father and having conversations with her from as early as her understanding allows, right? So um, I think books are the most phenomenal way to connect with a young child. And there are a lot of books that have been created now that speak to how do we dwell in this world as people who are often oppressed, and so um, sitting alongside her, having daddy-daughter time, right? Really asking her questions and being also, now this is really important, right? Being also extensively curious with her, right? Creating space for her to feel comfortable to ask you questions. And also as a father, feeling comfortable to not have the answer at that moment. Like we often think, um, 
because we are adults that we need to have all the answers to the questions that our kids ask of us. But our kids are actually going to be much more porous and flexible and reflexive than us each generation. That's just the nature of of what God has intended for us, right? That people who come after us are going to be much more flexible and malleable and have more curiosity um, and more vastness. So we just have to be like, you know what, Nori? Mm, that's a good question. Daddy doesn't know yet. <laughs> but let's 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 figure out a, a way to get to know, right? Let's let's do some exploring. And as much as you can, in whatever feels right and natural to you, be in her present life, right? Um, create space to ask about her day and don't limit, right? That's, that's the hard part around like time and space when it comes to being in relationship to kids. It's like they have so much energy and want to share so much with you. And is it okay for you to just allow that to happen, right? in a safe space, right? Sometimes you just be like, oh, but, but baby, we got to make dinner <laughs> baby, or things we have to do. But um, allow that like funneling of conversation to happen naturally, organically, to be scheduled, mm -hmm. um, you know, set routines around bedtime. Ooh, what would it mean for, for Nori and Kimari to come together at bedtime and just have daddy-daughter time of acknowledging what the world sees in you, right? use affirmations, right? Like inspirational quotes that, that Nori can connect to um, as like the future grows, right? And of, of course it'll change because of understanding and age, but um, man, what would it be like? We always see those lovely black family videos with little kids saying like, I am strong, I am powerful, right? Uh, being able to acknowledge that that no matter what happens, however the world sees you in this house, this is how we see one another. Um, founding our kids in that can be really powerful, but also allowing them to cry in the moments where it feels too tough. Mm. I think for us, our parents were amazing, right? But I think, <laughs> and, and great, um, I think there were a lot of opportunities where my mom allowed me to cry in her arms and and like sit in a space of saying like this is hard mom I don't know what to do and I also notice in my current time I'm like I am almost averse to that now I'm like all right we gotta get it done it's funny to say that as a therapist right because I always I often encourage my clients to be as open and as as creatively like expressive as possible but sometimes I have to check myself to be like yo, have you cried today? Because you need a release. Um, so offering opportunities for extensive curiosity, creating space to, to really feel all the feelings in the moment and not limit them in those feelings, right? Especially when it comes to oppression and racism, especially for black women and black girls, right? Around their hair, their skin color, the, you know, the texture of their skin, their clothes, how it's worn, what they come like into school as, right? the embraceive of that, of that like creativity and curiosity. Um, and also know that you're gonna make mistakes. And that's mm -hmm. also a part of the journey as well. Yeah, for sure. Mistakes definitely will happen. Um, to anybody listening that um, will probably deal with my daughter in the future, just know her daddy's not having it. I'm not okay. having it. I'm not having the, her hair is not how it should be or she can't dress like this or no I'm telling you I'm crazy <laughs> I will pull up to that school <laughs> pull up. I will pull up to that school have a conversation with you quick uh but so tell us how you tell us how you got here like what made you how you got to being a therapist to, for, to be honest when we were younger I was like Dom and Danny are definitely gonna be athletes like it just made it just made sense like they're Yo. they're, they're oh. a dope set of twins that are athletic and they kill it in whatever sport they're playing like they're gonna be athletes and it's gonna be great um so this is a total departure from that and for me at least well, yeah. so like, I think when I found out that this is the road you were going down I was so intrigued like 
I because I, I don't think I ever asked you like yo what made you what was this decision like how, what, what what clicked and you were like this is for me I know um yeah um Danny is my twin for all those who's listening um Danny is we me and Danny do absolutely the opposite jobs <laughs> Danny is an entertainment lawyer for um a small record labor label in New York and it's funny that Kimari even talks about us playing uh, being athletes because it was true for a time like we were so invested in basketball and everyone knew us as the twins that played basketball but when I get to when I got to college um, I thought I was going to be a doctor and I did all my pre-med prereqs and I got to a point where I needed to take the MCAT and I was like okay so you did bad on the MCAT but you did good in your writing section okay what does that tell you about yourself and then I, I realized that I had a conversation with uh, my medical advisor, my med school advisor. And she was like, you know, I'm, you know, you can go into public health. You actually have done a lot of things in community, like community mental health. And like I, at the time I was going to school in like outside of Philly in a small liberal arts. And I would go into Philly all the time. And I worked for like an HIV nonprofit and and was at the VA doing a lot of stuff with community interaction and like supporting the clients that way. And I was like, oh shoot, I do like public health and social medicine. So I kind of jumped there, but also I love school. So the school thing kind of got me um, really invested uh, as a continual learner. I often find myself like really just diving deep into the, the topics that I've that I've kind of been ingrained in for my for my major, so to speak. But so I was doing community mental health, found myself unemployed for a good year. And man, that teaches you so much about yourself. Um, found myself in seminary because I thought I was going to be a chaplain. And really in that program, it was the it was the counseling aspect that really drew me in. And I was like, if you can believe it, I was in a law and ethics and counseling class. And I was like, yo, I need to do this. <laughs> I was like, who would think that law and ethics around counseling and the policies around it and how we maneuver and think about mental health advocacy would be the, the launching point, but it was. Found myself in California. Don't even know how I'm still here because I'm so East Coast vibes all, all the way. Let's go. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there is something to be said about the program I stepped into, how it felt natural. And I actually really found my voice, oldest in my program, 27 who thinks they're the oldest in their graduate program at 27 but I was in a program of so many white women right um and it was actually a program all of women and I really started to find my voice about like man mental health and this program centers whiteness so much and I got to do something differently about it and I really just started to fine-tune the mission and God was like yo your mission is going to be around racial equity and mental health and I was like okay so how do we do that and it looked like taking risks in the way that I didn't think I would be able to, you know, developing this like term for myself, the racial equity therapist, and then getting to this point where I'm like, at the core of what we do for mental health and for the people in our community is we provide them an opportunity to know that a lot of the things that have happened to you, um, once you know the truth around them, you can start to unpack them in a really beautiful way. And, you know, I'm just striving to be racially equitable in all things, be a mental health advocate for all people and tell many of us that it's not just the individual truths that we have to wrestle with, but the systemic ones to be able to grow into um, our fullest, true, truest selves, right? Like, I mean, like my kind of tagline as a therapist is that survive to thrive mindset. <laughs> what that means for me is like literally thrive means to flourish, right? It means to like grow vigorously. And what happens in growth is like there is a pruning, right? A paring down of other things, but an actualization of your actual truth. And um, what happens is that you are stepping into that truth, hardcore, hard body every day. <laughs> and um, you are become more aware of your capacity to be less limitless, right? And more vast. And um, God, it's so incredible. Once you know more about yourself and the systemic and individual truths, man, it's like the world is literally can't hold you. 
No. It can't hold you. It's it's a special moment in in your life when you can acknowledge, okay, this system, the world, no matter what it is um, and how it's affecting me, I know my truth. I know who I am. I'm solidified. I am anchored in Christ. I understand my family values. I have morals. I'm, I'm able to move with discernment. So forget everything else that's around me. I, I got this. I can, I can navigate this the best way possible. And I love survive to thrive. Um, I, I think sometimes when we think about oppression and dealing with um, how it affects us, uh, sometimes it, it can seem as though people are not dealing with or they're, they're dealing with it and they're not moving forward, right? So yeah, sure, we live in a pretty racist society, um, not really set up for people of color to move forward and excel. And when they do, um, it is usually um, highlighted uh, how the world sees as though they wanna highlight it, right? So instead of like, hey, well, this is affecting me, um, I'm able to overcome it and then move forward. Sometimes I do feel like uh, people will just hold on to that and say, woe is me. Um, just what's a quick hack, you know, I think mm -hmm. for, for us to effectively like not use it as, you know, I spoke about a crutch before, but like, like I don't want to use that as sort of this, like this badge of, um, I wouldn't call it a badge of honor, but you know what I mean, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I don't want to walk around like, hey, yeah, this is happening to me. So this is why I'm moving the way I move. I want it to be, this is happening to me. And so I'm acknowledging it and I'm moving forward. Yeah, I think it is first knowing that at a certain point that excuse serves you. Mm. And there will be a point where that excuse doesn't serve you anymore. And that's when you become more knowledgeable of who you are so I think it's also building self and other awareness, how you dwell with others. But um, one of the things I think is, is really impactful is especially around trauma and racial trauma and racism and how it's impacted our black community is to become more understanding of the racial identity that you're in, like the development, develop it with a therapist. Because man, when you find what comes up for you, when you think about being in community with people of difference, when you see how you interact, when you, when you see how you behave, when you see what feelings come up for you, you can start to fine tune, oh shoot, so this is what actually is happening in real time to me and why I find myself polarizing myself from certain communities or why I find myself wanting to minimize difference and like, like oh, all this commonality. Uh, when we get to be in a relationship with a therapist who can work on that with us, like really develop our racial identity and help us and support us to do that. It could be some powerful stuff. So first know that the excuse at a certain point did serve you and you making a decision to step into a therapeutic relationship with a therapist is saying, um, I, with give and take, <laughs> will challenge myself to be brave and courageous um, and have the hard conversations because that's kind of what I lead with, right? Um, and then really saying, okay, so one of the biggest reasons why we might find ourselves leaning towards excuse is because our, and I, like, this is a conversation that I recently had with a number of other therapists, but like our generations before us bodily, they had to close themselves up to survive, right? Yes, there was complexity in how they navigated different routes, right? There was, there was an intricacy in how they um, supported themselves, supported their families, but they also had to deal with the fact of like, and we do this now, we do have to deal with this now, police brutality and like how black men and women are often targeted um, just viscerally by police. But some generations of our family literally left their house and never came back. Right. And so we had to hold space for that and we had to close. And I actually believe that our generation is more open. I hate the term awake and awoke, right? And woke because no, but it's, it's about 
our body actually has felt that we can open itself self up. And that means we're taking in more information, but that's also traumatizing, right? So then the body needs to preserve itself at the same time, as much as we're taking in more things. And so it's so mixed, right? We're like, so I feel like I'm doing this because it's a pattern for my family, but that's the brain telling you like, that's the easy way out. So if you can get into a really thoughtful, direct relationship with the therapist to say like, that's your brain, what's your heart telling you? Or that's your brain, what's your soul telling you? Because that's something that's really valuable for me. Like if there's anything that I think I want to support clients with is that integration of mind, body, soul, and spirit, right? Because it's, it's once you know that about yourself, you can really start to do some damage in the world. Um, yeah, roundabout way to say <laughs> excuses serve us then we can be curious and build self-awareness with, with ourselves and others to be able to define how we can live in this world better for those around us, for ourselves. Um, and we need to wrestle. We need to wrestle with conversations of people. We need to have hard conversations. We need to um, invest in, whether it's a coach or a therapist, or even like breathwork person or some type of facilitator who has a skill set that can let you see something that you're not always easily able to see yourself mm -hmm. and just like start to do the hard work of that amazing um speechless so insightful uh yeah i needed that for sure definitely during this time of everything that we're going through being locked in the house literally um, locked <laughs> like right things are just more like you said like we're able to receive more but it, that's what that can be overwhelming at times right to be able to receive more but also receiving a lot of it and faster yep. too because of the internet so now. fast so oh, it's God. like yesterday i had to worry about you know and care about um this little girl and then today I had to care about this little boy and then mm -hmm. I gotta worry about myself in the same time and my family and it's just it, it can be a lot um it can be a lot to tackle uh so I, I love that understanding that um you know the excuses can serve you but when they don't serve you anymore you know learn let learn to let them go and move on to being curious and uh, that was great um I wanna. You talked about California, Pepperdine. <laughs> you're still you're still in this sunny place. I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, but then you immediately said, "Hey, you're an East Coast person," which I is am through and through. And through. That's that's who we are. Uh, I love it. Uh, how has living in both places affected your style? <laughs> well, I I like to call myself an east coast vibe living in a, a west coast world okay but um that's something that i've always felt myself in like i kind of have i'd say my style is more structured probably because of i spent a lot of my time in professional settings and it always has been regimented but i've been able to define like what that feels like for me um but the relaxed nature of california does come through right like so it's I'm not a tight jeans person, so it's the boyfriend <laughs> cut. I love it's it. the um, and in the pandemic, even more so. Like, I will tell you, since I've come to California, though, I have embraced my natural hair more. I have, I have like I rock a good head head wrap with no problem. I am a huge advocate for like, like lovely cool um sweatshirts that have like decolonize <laughs> decolonize <laughs> things or um protect black children or i'm wearing one now that says like healing and color and so for me it's i have to feel secure in my clothing and i usually do i have to feel comfortable comfortable and i usually do and probably has a lot more to do with me having been an athlete too um like just the need to be comfortable in the things that i wear but um but yeah, I still feel like everywhere I go, I'm an East Coast vibe <laughs> through and through. It's good. I love it, man. Uh, I think there's something very special about living on both coasts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it it positively affected me. 
I love, uh, I thank my mother all the time for, for making that decision for us. Um, it just allowed me to just become myself even more. It allowed me to, to just explore different things. And um, so, so I get it. Um, I definitely get it. And so my mom actually, speaking of my mom, is she just arrived here. <laughs> She's getting ready to spend some time with her granddaughter. Mm. Um, so before I go, I ask the last couple guests I've had, um, but if there's one song that you could get dressed to for the rest of your life, um, it could be old, it could be new, it could be an instrumental, um, what would it be? I, I, I like getting dressed to music. It just, it helps me yeah. figure out what I'm wearing, um, but also it gives you the energy for like stepping out and realizing, all right, the world is about to see me. So go ahead. Oh my God, this is, okay. <laughs> So don't laugh at me, but okay. sometimes I'm on like my 80s, like mint condition, like mint Bobby condition. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Your so prerogative. Honestly, I'm not even joking, breaking my heart by mint condition. Really? <laughs> not, I have no idea why. Like, okay. it's just, it just gets me so hype. <laughs> yeah. It's a great song though. It is a great it song. I, I don't think I've ever, um, I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever listened to, into it, to it in a setting where um it would affect my style i think i probably really only heard that song like in a movie or something i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever played that song it's not in my serato for Kimari, sure. please go and play it right now and yeah, just about like, to add it to the playlist kind of bop left and yeah. right you know what we do <laughs> for sure for sure um well again thank you so much for your time this has been absolutely lovely i I'm so glad that one, you said yes. And I'm glad that uh, it's happening to our mental health awareness month. Um, it's very important, uh, you know, especially in our community. And I couldn't think of anybody better to, to help me unpack this. And Aww. you were an amazing guest. Um, I don't say that lightly. So thank you. We love you. I can't Aww, wait I to you. come back. I'm so trying to come back in Nori. July. Yeah, yes. so that you can see Nori, we can hang out. Um, by then, I'm sure she'll have an opinion and <laughs> <laughs> be voicing wait. it. Like she's gonna be like, "My dad is crazy," <laughs> but I can't wait. Um, we'll all hang out, and uh, yeah, this is the Jacket Required podcast featuring Dominique Harrison. Uh, thank you. Peace. <laughs>